Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm here with Pat again after logistics prevented us from recording together after the god-awful loss of the Buffalo Bills about Sunday or more than one Sunday ago. But uh, instead, we're here, albeit a day late, if you will, uh, to hash out our thoughts on the Washington football team's win over the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. We're recording this on Monday evening uh, by a final score of 34 to 30. Um, it was very It's a very black and white type of game, if you will, considering the good and the bad um, you know, there's plenty to talk about on the bad spectrum. You know, it's the same usual suspects that we've been talking about for the first uh, four, three games and now four games through the course of the season. Let's start with the good stuff, considering we're coming up with a win. Um, Pat, I'm going to let you go because it's your boy is the, is the highlighter of the highlighter, the highlight of all the good stuff. Um, we'll just jump right into Taylor Heineke. Yeah, talk about balling out. Um, he is my boy. I love I'm definitely one of the Heineke stands on the on the, on the Twitter world. Uh I mean, if you just look at his normal stats, you know, you take away kind of the advanced analytics and all that stuff. I mean, completed nearly 70% of his throws, three touchdowns, no picks, rating of 127. But his QBR rating was like 86.3, which I think is the highest we've had in like two or three years. This guy balled out. And um, what I think is most exciting, and I just tweeted this from our, from our account, when you think about Taylor Heineke, you think like there's basically two camps of Redskins fans, right? There is – the Heineke stands who think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, franchise quarterback, going to lead us to the promised land. He can do no wrong. Throws a pick, it's not his fault. Fumbles, it's not his fault. That There's that crowd. The other half of the crowd is like, he's too small, he's going to get hurt, flash in the pan, you know, played one tough road game and he crumbled against the Bills, you know, so, you know whatever they're going to say. And it all comes back to this narrative, and it's a couple things for me. One is the Washington Post just wrote an article about it this morning, basically saying, as Washington's trying to find its franchise quarterback, they're lucky to have Taylor Heineke. Um, I think about what Scott Turner said about Heineke, which was, you know, he could play five great games, but as soon as he has that one bad game, he's going to be the undrafted guy again. And the part I want Redskins fans to, oh, fuck, football team fans to, uh, you know, think about is just like stop. Most of us, myself included, uh, have never seen a franchise quarterback. Never. We've had 32 quarterbacks in 28 years. The closest thing we've had to a franchise quarterback cashed his leg and then was determined to prove everyone wrong and be, was out of the NFL in, what, five years? The other closest one we've had is probably Kirk Cousins. And, like, even Kirk, Kirk was very good on script. He always was very good on script. But as soon as we got to that second, third, fourth quarter, he got worse, worse, and worse. And his whole career, even in, in the even Vikings fans now hate him because, like, he starts out like gangbusters and kind of fades. He's right? not clutch. He's not clutch. Exactly. So my point is, is like, we have not, I mean, I'm 33 years old. I have not seen a franchise quarterback in my life. Mark Griffin was not a franchise quarterback. I'd argue Theismann wasn't either, but he's in the hall of fame and he won a Super Bowl. So like, you know, and he's dance boys. So Redskins fans, you can hold on to whatever you want. I would agree that Theismann my point is, is this. Yeah. My point is this as fans that don't really know what a franchise guy is, as I'm watching Herbert and Carr right now on my TV, like, we always think we are like everyone's well, he's got to be six, five rocket laser arm. He's got to be able to make every throw in the league. Uh, he's got to be Dwayne Haskins, right? Guess what? That didn't pan out. He's got to have, you know, generational talent like Roger, Robert Griffin third. That didn't stand. That didn't work out. He's got to be this stoic quarterback from the sec. That's really good. Uh, and led Auburn to an, you know, undefeated season. Guess what? That didn't work out. You know what? He needs to be a runner from, from Tennessee, uh, who's going to break the mold of what an NFL quarterback looks like, and he's short. 
that didn't work out. We have tried everything. My point is, is when I think of franchise quarterbacks, I think of someone who has three characteristics. The first one is, can he get you a score late in the game? Uh, I'm really hijacking the segment. I apologize. Do it. Uh, Do it. Go ahead. Can he get you a score with the game on the line? Or to make it very simple for everyone, does he give you hope that if he has the ball at three minutes left, he's going to go down and score to win the game? One. Two is what do the players think of them? Are they going to play harder? Are they going to play better? Um, because they believe in their quarterback. And the third part is when a part of your team really truly sucks, a part of your team that's supposed to be good continually flails, do you have a quarterback that can mask that and get you a win no matter what? So that when he has a bad game, like others can pick him up, but he is truly lifting his team. Heineke checks all three of those boxes right now. And I'm not saying this guy's going to be our quarterback five years from now and he's going to win Super Bowls and all that stuff. But right now I'm telling everyone just to sit back, stop worrying about whether or not he's our franchise guy because this guy's a legitimate starting quarterback. We're two and one with him as our starter. He has led two come fourth quarter comebacks. I'd argue he's led basically four because if you recall, he led us back twice against the Giants before that boneheaded interception. But even then he rallied. And then against the Falcons, we were down 10. And then all of a sudden, this dude became fucking Superman. Uh, I mean, he had no business throwing that ball to Terry McLaurin. Touchdown. Uh, the play to McKissick, though, is one of the most generally amazing plays I've seen from any quarterback. That shot, I, I retweeted, the shot that Fox has of watching him go through his progressions, he is back there cool as a cucumber, and shoo, shout out to the line because they gave him like four seconds to do it. But he gets through every one of his progressions. Then he moves to his left. He knows exactly where McKissick is, takes a peek, and he's like, fuck it, let's win this game, game over. So long story short, stop worrying about whether he's the franchise guy. Right now he's our quarterback. And right now when I watch the Redskins play, I truly believe we're going to score every time that man has the ball. And that to me is all I need. Brent from Burgundy Blog did a – oh, no, that was great. Great. Uh, Brent from Burgundy blog did a, um, he posted that exact clip that you're talking about of like the, yeah, Heineke, it's the, way, the one I retweeted that Heineke was like the way he was processing the field on the throwback to McKissick. Um, so yes, uh, you were alluding to this before we started recording. Uh, I think your friend texted it. So I just want to make sure it gets its airtime as well. Um, through four games this season for whatever a franchise quarterback is, or is supposed to look like to your point, um, Taylor Heineke has as many touchdown passes as Aaron Rodgers, and he has more t- touchdown passes than Ryan Tannehill and Sam Darnold, uh, especially Sam Darnold. Everyone's lauding the way he's been playing this season for whatever that's worth. Uh, through four games this season, Taylor Heineke has a higher QBR than Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Aaron Rodgers. Whatever you want to say about that, again, just look at it from a statistical viewpoint, from an objective viewpoint, is a higher QBR and he has many touchdown passes as that group of quarterbacks mentioned. And almost all of those, if not all of those, are what you would truly call a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. So there's two things that I want to make sure that we address when it comes to Heineke. Um, the first one is, using your phrase that you've said very appropriately, I think two things can be true at the same time. I think Heineke's lack of experience. uh, I think his, I don't want to say lack of timing, but he can be a little off schedule on his throws. It's very evident. Like, and they, they they highlighted that a couple of times. When he's not on time, that's where the arm talent comes into play. Cause then the NFL defenses catch up to him. So I going exactly there. I think the lack of arm talent is evident. I think there are definitely moments where, 
if he had, not that everybody has this, but he had a Josh Allen, Cam Newton type of arm, he could get away with a lot of the throws that he does. I think all of those, like it's, it's very, it's very difficult to dispute the fact that those are Heineke's flaws. Those are the reasons in addition to his lack of bulk or, or mass or whatever, why he was an undrafted quarterback. And then probably the pedigree in terms of where he played at college it's, it's, as such. But all of that being said, going back to the two things can be true at the same time, his command of the offense, those that ability to make the improvisational play that really breaks the back of a defense. And, you know, Ron Rivera said it today in his post-game presser, the throwback to McKissick was all him. That was all McKin- that was all Heineke's a designed outlet or something like that. That was Heineke making a play. The throw to Terry McLaurin, the hail Terry, whatever you want to call it, like whatever you want to say about it, that's Heineke. That's Heineke going out and making a play. Everything he did against um against Tampa Bay was him going out and just balling, just making plays, just doing the improvisational stuff. That again, it's like when you have the play broken down, I'm not comparing him to this guy, but what makes Patrick Mahomes so lethal? It's the fact that when you think you've everything clamped down, he just pulls this throw out of his ass and the defense is like, what the hell, how the hell am I supposed to stop that? Right. And then on top of that, Heineke's again, proven that he can rise. He can raise his level of play when the lights shine the brightest or when the moment has the most pressure. And which is a physical attribute by the way it's the x factor you know we always talk about the x factor so many people not be able to do it with the talent and we finally have a guy that apparently can't do it like that's what i say is like just just enjoy it because you're right it is an x factor so you know for he may not have as you using your his his name because you mentioned him right like we loved all the measurables and stuff like that and i've said a thousand times it was the most overrated play i've ever seen but like whenever when Dwayne Haskins threw, threw that game against through that ball against the jets it didn't count him it's like oh my god look at that throw and it's like yeah but that didn't mean it still an outrageous throw and it's, uh, it's you see Josh Allen do that three times a game i didn't i didn't think anything special about it that that's me personally right regardless uh that's that but the other thing, which I think amidst all of this hoopla, I don't know if really anyone's mentioned it. And I think it needs to really, people really need to sink their teeth into it. Kind of like what you're talking about. Like when you really need to take a step back and appreciate Heineke for who he is and what he's done. The game against Atlanta is Taylor Heineke's fifth career start. It's his yeah, fifth he's a rookie, start. People, people would be like, oh my God, we got the best quarterback in the league. Think about this. Like compare... Again, it's a, to your point, right? Like Trevor Lawrence has four starts, uh, and you know, I think Justin Fields has his second start or whatever, right? Like, but Heineke has grand has a grand total of five starts, and that includes like that one game which I didn't even know he started in Carolina. This is his fifth start, and that even also includes the playoff game against Tampa Bay. Think about what he'll be after another ten starts, after more, right? If we ever get to that point, I think one of the so the, the limitations are there. There's a throw he had along the sideline. He was a bit late to Terry that should have been picked. Um, it was the right read, but he was a second late. And that's where the arm talent, like, you were like, okay, that ball is in there way too long. Um, there was also the play in uh, the third quarter, I think, where it was third and goal from, like, the three-yard line. Still wish we had run the ball at that point, but that ball should have been picked in the end zone. Uh, so, like, you're going to have moments like that. But the thing I think I'm most encouraged about is and it's kind of a segue from your number of starts here is so this was i think you're right his fifth start his fourth start with the skins but like officially his third start 
because uh, I don't think they count playoff stats. You don't count the postseason. Um, yeah. So he's only made three starts with us. And one of the things that stands out to me is, um, one, the Buffalo game, he didn't play well. I came on this podcast and said, you know, look, Heineke wasn't good. And that's okay. Guess what? The Bills are a goddamn wagon. And they are smoking people. They really are. Uh, and, and I have no idea how the Steelers beat them. Um, let's week chalk one, that up to week one, that up to week one. You yeah, throw everything out the window from week one, and by and large, right? Week one is a, is one of the is an enormous case of fake news. But in the last three games, the Bills have given up twenty one points. You know who's responsible for all twenty one of those points? Taylor Heineke, two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown that was real sweet. Also, we should be called the Washington Pylons. Shout out to the Booze Hogs. I love that name. Uh, the Second part, though, is there's something that happened in the Bills game that we all lamented. Every every person on Twitter was breaking down all 22 is like, oh, look at this. It was the fact that Heineke refused to run. He refused. Every time that opening was there, he, you know, he would either force a throw, take a sack, whatever. Actually, it was mostly force. Uh, but the point is, is like in that game, he had an ample opportunity to run and he never did it. Fast forward a week. This dude clearly looked at the tape, clearly understood, okay, this is a part of my game that I need to use. Also, if the defense is going to play man-to-man, like, I'm going to take off. The amount of times in the – I mean, he had like 50 yards rushing. Uh, and their – Atlanta played man, I think, like 60% of the time is, I think, what I saw. The amount of times when you're following Curtis Samuel, when you're following Terry, you're going to be downfield. And Heineke is an athletic – I mean, he's not quite a freak, but, like, his measurables are pretty – outrageous um he is a fast dude he he's slippery he's got a little rustle in him you know that kind of small houdini act um and so what i love is is he saw a part of his game that he struggled with in the bills the next week he took advantage of the amount of times we were in second and two uh or you know second and four just because he on off script saw what the defense gave him took off great slides best sliding quarterback we've ever had um and those are cheap, easy, free yards, and they protect the ball. They keep the chains moving, and I just like – to me, his his progression that quickly week to week was awesome to watch. And I think purists may not like it, but the direction of the NFL right now is you have to have a dual-threat quarterback. The statuesque cement shoe quarterback doesn't exist anymore. Or like that that archetype is just not – is not – viable it's obsolete right another reason why Dwayne Haskins was just a, such a god-awful pick because that dude you know he ran the 40-yard dash in an hour and 30 minutes flat taking Instagram pictures in the midst of it um <laughs> but that's your best line that like <laughs> that was like that that was just so stupid on so many levels and I think Herbert is great. I mean, just tremendous, right? I want to get, I'm going to get to the Justin Herbert comment a little bit because I want to, it's going to be on the defense and that might seem counterintuitive, but I have a point for it. Um, I lost my train of thought, but I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, in my, in our Slack thread with my friends um, in our fantasy league, I, I've jokingly continue to refer to Heineke as a combination of Tom Brady, Brett Favre and Jesus. And, you know, tongue in cheek aside, his he does I don't know if he has Fergie's voice if he has the combination of Fergie and Jesus's voice, but um, that notwithstanding, right? Like it's ridiculous to compare him to this player considering the nature of this player. But he has that improvisational moment where you like of the things you see Farvian, right? If Farvian is an adjective, right? Like it's just those he references like, Farv all the time. 
And, you know, he's from that part of the country, right? Like I didn't realize he grew up in Atlanta, but obviously that, that, you know, Brett Favre played, Brett Favre is from Mississippi, Bob played his career in Green Bay outside of the first year in Atlanta. Um, but uh, yeah, like, it's just, you know, j- there's moments where you're like, this guy's fucking fantastic. Like you said, there both parts, the good and the bad are on display in throughout. And uh, it's hard really not to fall in love with the good stuff. I, I just, I don't really like Peter King, but he said something about Heineke that I think is just extremely accurate. He said, if you told me Heineke would throw one pick a game for 17 games, I'd still roll with him. And uh, like, I was kind of taking it back because you think of a quarterback stats at the end of the year and you see 17 picks. And 17 like, oh, high. Shit, that's, that's high. But his point wasn't that you know, that number's going to be high. His point was like, look, he's going to make mistakes. But in a game, that dude's got a huge set of balls. He didn't say that. That's what I'm saying. And the team, the team, you like go look at every quote after the game. The team, I'll say it. They're like that play. The game's never over. Ron even said it. The game's not over when Taylor has the ball in his hands. It's that simple. The 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 thing that kept coming up to me or coming like I had the flashing of this this clip. It's a crazy old movie uh, when you think about it. But like, uh, there's this scene in the first Rocky movie where like you know Apollo Creed's camp is like trying to get him to not fight. Rocky Balboa again and he's like look I can beat this chump or whatever and like and Duke the trainer comes up to him and he's like he's like I seen you beat this guy like you've never beat anybody before and he just kept coming he just kept coming at you he just no matter what you did to him he would stand up and he would just keep playing and he would just keep fighting and that as cliche as it sounds that was so much about like Heineke like you know he can have a shit game he could the team could be the offense could be cold they could be down by 10 in the fourth quarter and you, Heineke dry, does what he does. Yeah, I said in the beginning, right now, he is 100% the reason for anyone to tune into Washington football team games because he just makes stuff happen. And it can be bad. It can be third and 13 on our own nine. He's thrown in triple coverage, right? <laughs> that happened in Buffalo. He'll throw high. He'll throw late. He'll th- All His two-point conversion throw to Ricky Seals-Jones, I'm like, what were you doing? Like, I could have made that throw, and that ball was basically over through the uprights. Yeah. But then there's a free rusher. He'll escape. He'll see Terry one-on-one and just say, go make a play, right? And luckily, Terry's good enough to make that play. Um, But I just think, like, it's just remarkable what he's done. And and I said in the beginning, I don't think we understand what a franchise quarterback is because we've never had one, but – to have a quarterback that you believe in in the fourth quarter is not something we've had in a very long time. And right now, Heineke deserves all the credit because when he has the ball, I truly think we're going to go down and score every time. And I love the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to come back and be the mentor backup. or whatever backup. Yes. I'm not backup saying that. To, the, to the younger backup to the younger version of himself. Right. Um, but also someone who's not unnecessarily afraid to impart the wisdom that he's accumulated because Lord knows if he's ever going to start in this league again or play in this league again after a pretty catastrophic injury. Um, you mentioned something about wanting to uh, like him being the tune in reason for this to watch Washington. Um, one of the notes I made during the course of the game was uh, what I thought we were going to lose this game was the fact that like the piss poor performance, of the defense, which we'll definitely get to. Um, one of the things that would be really frustrating is the fact that it's going to overshadow the performance of Antonio Gibson. Um, I think Gibson's been wonderful this season. I think he's like his final stat lines are never necessarily going to blow you away outside of last week because of the 73 yards, you know, 
um, catch and run or whatever, but like he's consistently ripping off chunks of 46 oh, yards, stud. like consistently, he's right? He's so, so, so good. And then when we have the changeup, uh, as a quick aside from the running back position, um, hindsight is always 50 50. Shout out to Steve Spurrier. But the fact that we kept Jared Patterson over Peyton Barber looks increasingly terrible. Peyton Barber looks has looked mm. fantastic. He's looked fantastic in Las Vegas. And this is coming from yeah. someone who is not a Peyton Barber guy. No, I you hate Barber. I do hate Barber. And he's looked fantastic. Are you just saying, are you just saying this because, because Gibson got stopped on more than one? We've had troubles in short yard or situations through, through the course of four games this year. And we were automatic in that situation last year, coupled with the fact that Barber has looked fantastic in Oakland or Las Vegas. Well, uh, down. He had one good game. Now he's returning kickoffs for the, for the Raiders. We don't have a we short yardage guy. And the fact that Barber's there is frustrating. Uh, it was kind of a, I get that we couldn't cut Jared Patterson, given the way he played, you can't sell the team on performance and earning your job and not make it, not have him make the roster. There was a play somewhere else besides letting Barber walk that they could have kept him. That's just my argument. So we should put a pin in this because I, so I agree. I think Barber or not Barber, uh, I think Gibson's a stud. I think our offense, like he should be getting 20 touches a game and Terry should be getting 15 targets a game. Like yes. I don't care if the offense, the defense knows it's coming. They need that touch the ball. My only, my only thing, the reason I say we should put a pen in it is I'm not sure Gibson's going to stay healthy all year. Um, he's taking a beating. He's our, he's taking a beating, and every game he's leaving for some, you know, something. Uh, so I worry about him. And the reason I bring that up with the pin comment is like I think Patterson's going to get real run here later in the season. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what what comes of that. Um, because we've only seen him briefly, but yesterday he had a nice little catch and run. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he gets, but I think we should put a pin in it because I do think Barber will get increasingly worse in Oakland, and I think Patterson will increasingly get more playing time. I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with I want Gibson that. all 17. I want all 17, but I don't know if he's going to make it. I mean, he entered the game questionable. He, as you said, was on the sideline for a little bit and did come back in the game. Uh, I think that's a very fair point in terms of his durability or how much – because a lot of our offense, I don't think it's a durability question. It's not a durability, but like it's just the he's fact just we're riding him. Yeah, we're yeah. or we're riding this dude, um, and he's never played running back before. Yeah. Uh, so, Although, shout out to Gibson and uh, McKissick. Their pass pro yesterday was fantastic. McKissick was great in pass pro, as usual. Yeah, uh, cool. That guy, man, what an acquisition! Like, if we're gonna criticize the team for letting one dude go, McKissick has just been a godsend in so many different ways. I mean, yeah, he's, he's just. He's, He's so just good. so, so good. From that positive, I want to jump to the defense. Um, you know, winning cures all ails, as the saying goes. Um, you know, there was, the, I think the best way to sum this up in terms of the way the defense played for large stretches of the game yesterday was, I think it was um, John Kime tweeted in the middle of the game, something to the effect of, uh, let me make sure I pull it up. Um, I'm not sure that there's anything that this defense does well. Yeah, I saw that. You know, um, I think it was very appropriate. I think it's 100% accurate. You know, they had their moments. Um, there was a, I think, early three and out that they forced when Washington started to get the momentum back in the second quarter. You know, they did stop Atlanta's second to last drive that got Heineke the ball back that led to the drive that uh, McKissick would obviously, you know, he the, the play to McKissick. 
Um, shout out to Deron Payne purposely delaying the game on Atlanta's last gas drive, like you know, like kind of walling, walling on the ground and not letting the ball go. Um, but other than that, man, it was just it was another it was it was deja vu all over again to, to quote the great Yogi Berra. Um, the stat that everyone's been throwing around: Atlanta was ten of fifteen on third down, minus the the comeback attempt drive, the very, very last drive of the game. And they averaged what 6.8 yards to go on those third downs. Um, and, and one final point, um, Cordero Patterson is a career scrub. He's not a short-term scrub. He's not a long-term scrub. He is a career scrub. He is like, he's literally the shining epitome of what a scrub looks like a guy who just gloms on from team to team has a couple of good moments but he's a completely forgettable player. And we made him look like prime Marshall Falk. That's what this defense did, right? Um, I'm going to say this. This is my hot take. I'm going to bust out the hot take machine right here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that this defense is going to continue to play this way for the rest of the year. And uh, the only, 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 only way that this is really going to fix, get fixed, and I hate calling for people's jobs, is they need to part ways with Del Rio. Uh, I'm going to call that a lukewarm take. Okay. That's fair because it's not because exactly it's not exactly redefining the wheel. So if you said that week one, I would have been like, "Whoa, that is a hot take." But I'll call it lukewarm because it's trending that way. Um, you know, a fun fact about uh, Cordell was it Patterson Peterson? What the fuck is his name? Patterson. Uh, you know how many three touchdown games he's had in Atlanta? One None. against no one against us. Uh, you know how many Julio Jones had in his whole career in Atlanta? None. Zero. Julio Jones had some weird aversion to the end zone for as brilliant of a receiver as that guy was. It's so bizarre. Uh, I actually, so the defense played terrible. It's the fourth game in a row. They played terrible. They're not very good. Let's just, you know, spade, spade here. Uh, I think the defense line played better yesterday. I agree. Um, Sweat had a sack. Young flashed. I still have no idea why he was called for roughing the passer. We'll get there in a second. Um, I'm guessing because like he threw his arms up. Uh, it he, was a he, complete horseshit call. It was one of the most yeah, horseshittiest call you've seen in a while. How many roughing how many roughing the passer penalties have there been when it happens and the quarterback still is standing and throws the ball? Like how, how does it even work? Um, so, but but Young was around the ball better. The deep like John Allen. Like I'm real glad we paid that guy because he's the best player on the defense by about 15 football fields. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, uh, Payne continues to do what Payne does. He's a run stuffer. Like we're good against the run. Like Payne is who he is. I openly said he's my favorite player on the team. He's penetrated. Um, he did. A, he had a, a lot he, of. He does he his made... job. Payne does his job. Allen does his job. We need Sweat and Allen to start cleaning up. And Sweat has three sacks in four games. You would take that ten times out of ten. Uh, young though, man, you need to start showing up, brother. Um, regardless of the roughing the passer, it's bad or good. Uh, but. For as good as much as they did, and they got the stop uh, late in the game. Like the screenplay, uh, Landon Collins actually blows that play up. He doesn't make the tackle, but without him, he slows the play down, allowing the defense to, to suck up to him uh, or suck up to the ball carrier. But the reason I think it's kind of lukewarm of a take is, and I'm not trying to bash you on that, is as long as our linebackers are who they are, it doesn't really matter because they are so bad. Yes. Um, like we we talked about in our in our uh, preview podcast by we I mean you you lamented on how terrible our linebackers are. We're hopeful Davis figures it out yada yada yada. And 
the only text I got from you on Sunday was John fucking Bostic mm-hmm. in all caps. Yep. Uh, after, after he missed what I like still have zero idea how he missed the tackle on the fly. You so, and I could have made that tackle. I mean, I know Mike Davis is a big boy, but that screen. All you gotta do is hold on. That's literally. It was, it was one of the the worst plays I've ever seen. He, he had a five yard head start. He made a beeline for the dude. He should have blown him up. If it was that old game NFL blitz, he could have just launched himself into the dude and blew the shit out of the dude. And he missed. I've never seen a guy consistently be in the right place all the time and do nothing with it. Like John Boston. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Holcomb actually played. Okay. I still like it. He stripped that ball clean as day. I don't like the whistle there is lame as shit. It was. The guy's that, still fighting. For, the guy's still fighting for yards. You you can't blow the whistle yet. Um, the secondary is a disaster. Uh, I, for life of me, we signed William Jackson, who I really like. I think he can. I think he competes. But like, he's so we signed him. He's a he's a well, he's a press corner, and then we play him fifteen yards off the ball, so True. he doesn't know what to do. Um, to your fire Del Rio part, like your job as a coach is to put your players in positions to succeed and know their strengths. We consistently put him in a place that he's not going to succeed, right? And I said this in like my post game thoughts last week when we didn't get together. I can't help but notice how much better our defense was last year when Collins was hurt. And point being, like whether it's Everett, you know, he came in was kind of a thumper. Our best safety tandem was Everett and Curl or Reeves and Curl. Collins still plays more. Then I mean Everett doesn't play at all. Reeves is on the fifty, isn't even on the fifty threes on our practice squad. Collins's snap count is starting to slowly dwindle, but like McCain's terrible. I mean, go watch that play for the home run pass to Patterson. I don't know what he is doing. Um, my point is, is like I don't care how much money Collins makes. Cool story that he's coming back. He should just either play linebacker because he's really good in the box. You know, really good. Like don't tell him that because he thinks he's a safety. Yeah, well he's not. Yeah. Uh, and or McCain needs to get benched. Like, I don't know. There's, a, there's, you know, there's, I'm not going to pretend to know more than Ron Rivera or Del Rio at all. Maybe Reeves is a practice squad player. But it's what not. I do know is when he played last year, he played his ass off and there was no communication breakdowns. He was always in the right place at the right time. Uh, and our defense was good because we had a D line that could get after the quarterback. And our secondary could actually cover for more than, I don't know, what, one, one second. Now, granted, we played shitty quarterbacks. That's well documented at this point. But, like, if I'm the coaches, I'm telling Collins, if you want to play, you're in the linebacker. And I, I understand that it's hard to learn a new position, but it's not really new to him. Just put him at the line. Uh, and I would bring Reeves up, and I would get Everett back in the fold more because what we're doing now is a disaster. Um so there was the drive. Uh, so I'm going back through the notes right here, right? So um, Atlanta goes up 10 nothing. Carter fumbles the kickoff return, but he was down, right? So we go down, um, uh, and uh, Terry McLaurin beats, got, gets behind Fabian Moreau, um, and he beats the pocket and beats the hole in the cover two. Taylor Heineke throws that. It's 10-7. We force a three and out. Uh, we go down another drive. Um, we have another drive, and then we basically walk the ball down to um, – uh, and we get it was 14 nothing. And even Mark Sanchez, shout out to Sanchito, he was talking about the fact that Taylor Heineke was getting into a rhythm, right? And then the ensuing drive, right before halftime, basically we just let them walk the ball down the field. Um, 
there was that pass to Zacchaeus where he was he was wide open and he he, uh, he dropped the ball. Um, and then third and 13, Ridley beats us. It's just, um, it was just a joke, right? Like it was basically, and then there was that wide open. They walked down the field, to scored a touchdown in under a minute, had all three of their timeouts and only used one. It was, it's, it's, um, yeah. And basically, like we could have swung the game in the opposite direction instead. Um, and then, of course, on the other side, Atlanta comes out, uh, responds to out, kick, uh, DeAndre Carter's touchdown return with a touchdown of their own, again, walking the ball down the field. Like, it's just, it's a hot knife through butter. And, and going back to the Fire Del Rio lukewarm comment, right? The reason why I'm saying this is that not because, like, oh my God, we have to fire him because that's what every fan wants. It reminds me a lot of what we saw in Dallas last year. I know it's a stupid comparison, especially because Mike Nolan was a first-year coordinator with a first-year head coach. But, like, one of the biggest criticisms of Mike was Mike Nolan. Yeah, vanilla ice cream, Mike Nolan, was the fact that he didn't put – there's two things. He overestimated the dudes that he had on the Atlanta defense. And number two was that he didn't utilize his players in the best way possible. And number three, nothing he did was – original or interesting going back to the vanilla comment right like there was nothing that he did that was innovative to mask their deficiencies i think del rio is suffering from all three of these there are some x's and o's dudes on twitter who are talking about the fact that del rio is actually trying to adopt some exotic schemes that fit very poorly with the dudes that we have on this defense right you're trying to make the proverbial dinner out of true chicken shit and unfortunately that's the situation we're in right now I actually think Ron's a little blindsided by how bad the defense is. Um, how can you have the second year of a defense and have this many gross, gross, egregious miscommunications? Like they're hideous. Yeah, they, they're bad. And I'm actually kind of curious. Just, look, I don't wish for anyone to get hurt. I don't really wish for any of that. Like, but like, kind of curious to see if Cleet Custom plays and all of a sudden our defense is better. I do think because, so. Because the speed will be there. He's a fast guy. Uh, he's a little undersized. Uh, it's kind of his, you know, drawback in the NFL, but he's got a lot of speed, been in the defense for a while. Uh, you know, he played the Viper position in Michigan, so he's going to be able to be pretty versatile. Uh, and I'm actually very excited for Davis to finally be the middle linebacker. Like, he's the guy. Um, and look, has he been good? Not really. Uh, but he needs to play because he does flash, and he just needs to play to let the game slow down. So I'm, I'm curious if our defense actually improves with Hudson. And, and more Davis. Now it might take a little while, uh, but <laughs> it literally can't be worse. It, I mean, it can't. So if it's going to be that bad, it may as well be bad with young guys who, you know, are going to play and play fast. Everyone likes to, in present cup excluded. Everyone loves to shit on Jamin Davis. Right. And I think I've said this a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand more. Jamin like Davis, games. he was a project pick. He was a project pick. He was a tools and intangible player. He was a, day three selection entering the 2020 college football season that dude is a project pick he's not luke keekley for lack of a better comparison right like that's just not him he's got physical tools the 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 muscles above his shoulders need to connect with the muscles below his shoulders and that's going to take a little while we're all expecting him to be brian urlacher 2.0 from the get-go that's just not him and on top of that, we have openly admitted to the fact that we're dumping the entire playbook on him, which is difficult for someone who has 14 games of starting experience in college football. Yeah, I'm not really excited s- for him. To, I'm, that's why I'm excited for him to play, just because it's like sink or swim. 
um, you know, I think beginning of the year, I was a little bullish. I thought he'd figure it out a little faster than, but I remember you saying it's going to take him most of the year before he starts like really flashing. Um, but there are plays where he does flash and you can see the speed and you can see why we took him because of the attributes. He, he checks every single box. Um, and without Bostic now, like it's crash course. It's, it's, let's go. He's going to be down. He's going to be there every, every single down. Um, and I like, I don't know. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's not, but it literally can't be worse than Bostic. Yeah, sure. He's in the right place at the right time, but like he doesn't make the tackles. Who gives a shit? John Bostic is one of the worst Washington. I mean, he's, he's right up there with Troy. Abney, he's Reed Dowdy from linebacker. Position. Adam Archuleta, Reed Dowdy, like the, 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 the first Redskins players that we would want to punt off the Island as fast as humanly possible. John Bostic is near at the very top of the list, at least in this iteration of the team. I mean, that guy. I forgot. The, I forgot Apke was even on our team. Troy Apke, I know, right? Because he's been it, he he's non-existent. He's not even, you don't even see him on special teams, partially because we never have, we never are on putt I mean, We don't punt. We haven't seen Tress in a while. That's true too. We don't see him. I mean, we see him. He punts every few, you know, a few times a game, but like, he's and when he does, he rocks it. Yeah, he's the best player in the league in my opinion. So who really cares? Um, I want to come back to Chase Young really quickly. So, um, Chase Young has no sex through the course of this game. Somebody made a comment. I can't remember who. I think it was Grant Paulson or somebody like that. It was like, you know, Chase Young has no sacks or he has like, I don't know, some stupid comparison stat. Anyway, going back to that. Um, as soon as that roughing the penalty, that passer call happened and given the context and that I think that the Falcons ultimately ended up scoring on that drive, I felt like if once, if Washington lost, it was just going to be a public flogging of young all week long in so i think there's a couple layers to this somebody said this on twitter so shout out to them this is not an original take from me um there's this cult of people who secretly like to hate on chase young or like secretly like enjoy when he's especially now that especially now that now that herbert's balling out everyone wants to say we should have taken herbert i want to come back to that in a second we're talking about justin herbert but like there's a single person in the world would have taken herbert over you not single, not one single team, not, not single one single team. It's not a, it's a stupid argument. There's this weird, like, almost like, like Danny Ruiz is reading, leading the charge about the whole bullshitting thing. And it's like, look, he's a 23 year old dude. Uh, I've joked. I'm like, I protect young. Like I protect my own kid in terms of like, you know, you know, we here in Washington, we have this ability to turn on our young assets so quickly and just kind of get them sucked into the toxic atmosphere that this team has. And I, I just, I don't understand why the outside of just the irrationality of fandom, like what is this stupid vitriol that we have towards a dude who's still figuring things out and hasn't even made 16 starts yet. I don't believe. And like, we're already expecting him to be like Lawrence Taylor 2.0. Like it's, it's just patently ridiculous combined with the fact that the very evident teams are chipping him. They're doubling him. They're doing everything they can to neutralize our defensive ends. The entire game plan for talking went away from chase i mean you routinely never, in fact, they never went they would never never go at him ever they're actually trying to run the ball more up the gut against allen and Payne, or do things that way than they would be than attacking the ends and i think that's just a matter of fact that like last year teams didn't catch on fast enough and this year teams are like the one thing we're not going to allow washington to do is just tee off their pass rushers and come after our quarterback right quick passes all how many times have teams been throwing the rocket screens and the smoke screens against us it happens all the damn time why do you think that is it's because they're trying to get the ball out of their hands that but the one thing that i will criticize chase young for and i think it's just a function of what happened was that you know that the roughing the passer call was 
horrific beyond imagination. Like it was just reprehensible. If I'm going to be critical of Young, I think Young wouldn't have found him in that position if he didn't just kind of go and do the two hand shove, whatever. If he just tackled him, if he just tackled him like a normal but go watch it. tackle. This is the problem. This is the problem with the NFL is like he is scared too rough. I, I thought about the same thing that Ryan, like, if he, if he comes, he at doesn't him just, want to tackle him because he doesn't want to tackle him because he thinks he's going to get called for the pester. So what I thought about that him. too. But he, it, it, it's almost to the point where like, exactly to your point with the pass rushers are so paralyzed. Like what am I allowed to do against this quarterback in the open field? That's not going to be roughing. I totally agree with that. Um, Cause like, look at it this way. If he goes just slightly lower then they're, they flag him from going low. He's literally got a perfectly formed tackle. Perfectly. You're hundred percent. Matt Ryan. It, it, when he's and, running and at then, full speed. And the tick matters in the second step. If he perfectly form tacks him like too aggressively, they're going to say he rolls up on him and slams him to the ground. Even so on the like, dismount. He's kind of in a, yeah, he's kind of in a shitty situation. So what's he do? Just fucking hits. Right. And then he's that's a penalty too. So stupid. Um, also, and then finally, that was good. What it, it got erased, but that play made me want to cut Bobby McCann. Like, why did he pick the ball off? We lost like 30 yards with him doing that. <laughs> small thing, small thing, but I hate when players intercept fourth down passes because it's like, dude, it's you, just, you just cost your team like 30 yards. Uh, and the final one about, to your point, um, the in, the we should have drafted Justin Herbert over Chase Young narrative is extremely lazy and hindsight driven. Like it, it, you said it best. There is not a team in the league that would have had the number two overall pick. If Justin Herbert, if we all knew that, then why did two to Tagovailoa go before Justin Herbert did? I can promise you, I can pull up the links right now that at number six, LA was not like, Oh my God, we have to have Justin Herbert. LA kind of wanted Tua and LA was like, if we don't get Tua, then we'll take Herbert. We just need a quarterback because Phillip Rivers is there and we're just going to land on one of the two of them and hope it works out with Justin Herbert. And I can also guarantee you that for whatever reason, if the chargers didn't take Herbert at six, Herbert would have fell into the teens. That's the way that the draft would have shook out. He was the biggest question mark. The big boards on the day of the draft had him as a mid mid first round pick everyone kind of agreed that like he got the Oregon system did him no favors and now with the benefit of looking at his body of work like oh my god we should have did that I mean it's it's no different than saying like why did 192 people not take Tom Brady that's just the world we live in it's such a yeah, stupid no, you're, narrative you're, you're preaching to the choir and like Chase not having sacks right now is fueling that more than ever um, as is the fact that our starting quarterback is an undrafted guy who's been cut five times and was sleeping on his sister's couch. I mean, even right now, I'm looking at Twitter and people are saying, is it too soon to say we should have taken Herbert? It's, you know, all this fun stuff. And I'm like, guys, every single person in the world, there was debate on whether or not the Bengals would take Chase Young and they needed Burrow more than anybody. You know, um, Chase Young doesn't have any sacks. He really needs to work on a counter move because he does the same thing over and over and over and the NFL's caught up to it. Um, Chase Young can be terrible all year. Like, maybe this is my hot take. I don't know how I don't know how hot it is, but I'm gonna say it. I'm just gonna call it it's my hot take for the for the and you can challenge me and say it's Luke or not. Do it. Uh Chase Young can have zero sacks all year. I don't give a fuck. I still think he's great. Um he's gonna come out like if if he does that again next year, then we got a big problem. But like, what happens? Flashes early, teeters off, flashes late, in his rookie season, wins rookie of the year, and it fouls an entire offseason to study his game. And now Chase has to learn how to counter. 
just like most great rushing quarterback or big great rushers do. Not to mention he's game plan. He's chipped. I mean, they throw everything at him. And as a result, Sweat actually has three sacks. He's probably helping Sweat now. Not sure. to mention Jonathan Allen has three sacks. Yeah, and and like there are things like he he, I think he's starting to press a little. He won't. I mean, he gets up there and he says, "I'm not pressing. I'm good. I'm good." No, you're 100 right. He he's reading the clips. He knows what's going on. And uh, my uh, Michael Spears is that his name? Had a really good Marcus Spears, a defensive uh, tackle for on uh, ESPN. Yeah, had a really yeah. good breakdown last week. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but like it. basically he said he basically said Chase is being selfish because he's so desperate to get a sack that he is taking himself out of place because he's just trying to get to the quarterback over and over and over. And what happens is Payne pushes up, but instead of so the quarterback has to step up, but instead of clasping the pocket, he's, you know, he's going wide. all the way out here because he's going wide. And basically Spears is like he's being selfish. He's so anxious to get a sack. He's doing everything that he can do to get it without trying to work off his teammates. Um, the sack we had yesterday, Alan Payne pushed it up, sweat cleaned up. That's something that's just got to happen more and more, right? So my point, so like Young could have zero sacks this year and I'll still, next year I'll still buy his jersey. I still think he's going to be great. Um, I just think he needs to start playing more within the system, develop a counter move and play with his teammates and he'll be fine. Like if you look at the underlying, in baseball, there's a lot of really if a player's struggling, I look at a lot of different stats. I look at like exit rate. I'll look at what's their batting average of balls in play, stuff like that. I started doing that because Zimmerman one year was hitting like 170 and people were saying he sucks, but like he hit the ball harder than everybody in the league and he wasn't getting lucky essentially. And eventually the dude hit like 300 for two months and everyone was like, oh, Zimmerman's great. And I was like, fuck all you guys. You guys exactly. That's what's going to happen, by the way. Once Chase Young starts, let's see, as a, a five it's going to be a watershed moment. It's going to be a watershed moment. It's no, all, the, all those bandwagon assholes are going to be like, oh my God, I love Chase Young. Look at my 99 jersey. Those same shitheads are going to do the exact same thing what you just said about Ryan Zimmerman. Continue. Well, the underlying stats right now for us are actually not terrible. Now, the third down stat is terrible. We give a horrific third down conversion like 60% of the time. We're, we're on pace to like blow that stat out of water for worst defense ever. But if you look at like pressure rate, if you look at um, – uh, you know, hurry rate, stuff like that. We're in top 10 basically across the board. Uh, we're just not getting home because these damn quarterbacks are getting the ball out so much. And then kudos to them. You know, they're doing their game plan. They're going to, we also, we've also played some good quarterbacks. Um, and our safety. I think Ryan, our, safe, oh, our linebackers are terrible. Too. Uh, so I guess my point is, is like, I'm just rambling now because I'm kind of fired up with this Chase Young thing. But no, it, it, it's going to come together. I, I really it, do. It, I really think it's going to close. I'll take your 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 take one step further. Let's say Young has no sacks this season. Let's say he literally finishes the season with no sacks. Honestly, I think that might be the best thing for him. I've always been a big believer that he works the, his ass off. One of the worst things that can happen to a rookie is early success. Robert Griffin III is a perfect example because they're going to come into the league or they're going to come into their sophomore season, if you will, believing that they have it figured out just like they had it figured out in college, and. It's just human nature that you're not going to be quite as hungry when you have had tasted early success or success has come to you very easily, you know, um, without necessarily having to face the adversity first, right? Young came in seven and a half sacks, defensive rookie of the year, everyone lauded next great pass rusher, blah, 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 right? 
regardless of how good of a worker he is, and by all accounts, everyone says he's a hard worker. I'm sure he kind of came into this season being like, I just need to improve a little bit on what I did, and I'm going to be a double-digit sack guy. Well, the NFL, as you've mentioned, did a big counterswing on him. I love the fact that it's going to force him to go back into the lab and be like, I have to break everything back down again, and I have to rethink it. And to hear what you've said, I need to start developing the counter moves, the counter counter moves, the counter 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 whatever moves, or the game, the the pass rush plan, or whatever it is, right? And that was his knock on college: freak athlete, bending ability. He can do whatever he wants to from a physical to a physical perspective. He just needs to develop his tool set. And lo uh, and behold, that's where we are. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. In lieu of time. So I got to go make dinner. Yeah. Um, we have the Saints and Jameis, who are a very confusing team. Uh, coming to D.C., they waxed Green Bay. And they blew a double-digit uh, point to the feculent Giants. And they blew a double-digit lead to the Giants. So I don't really know who this team is. Uh, they got Sean Payton. You know he's like, this is going to be a great week. Defense is not as bad uh, as you think, but we got Taylor Heineke. But we got, you know, the GOAT, uh, Tom Brady 2.0. Uh, I I don't know what to think. I you know we we used to do predictions every week. We haven't done those in a while. Uh, I'm gonna say we get the win um, because I think the team believes in Heineke. They haven't been at home for a little while, and I I generally think that uh, our defense will, will be a little better with Bostic not in the game. Uh, as long as it doesn't come down to field goal, I think we're okay. Because man, Hopkins, you're terrified of me, dude. Um, Although I think he made the first extra point. I don't – it looked like it went in. I like said, no, whatever. I'm going to say the Skins win. We're three and two, and we – oh, that is going to be a flag. Yep, four flags just came in. Uh, we better win that game because after that, night You just stole my point. <laughs> as a, as a, I'm predicting a win because I don't want to look at the prism or I don't want to look at the, the, the other side of the coin. That's where I was going to end things at. That Like, let's just say – let's – I'm hoping that, you know – New Orleans is one of those weird teams where they play very differently outside the dome than they do in the dome. So game is at FedEx, which isn't exactly home field advantage in any scenario, but nonetheless, if we take it in New Orleans, I mean, we take the game against New Orleans, we need to, Lord knows we need to, because for, I'm sure everyone knows it, but just look at the slate of games in October and November coming up, uh, followed by home against Kansas city at green Bay, joy at denver denver's playing great depending on how long teddy bridgewater is going to be out with that concussion but their defense is playing excellent then the bye then home against tampa bay oh you know just the defending champs at carolina and then home against seattle shit yeah a lot it's a lot so we got to get this win three and two um we just need to get to december somehow some way floating around 500 and just we have to get there. I we don't do want that. to play we Dallas's offense. I'm going to say it right now. I don't want to play Dallas's offense. Uh, Dallas's offense. I don't think. I don't think. In, I don't think anyone does. But let me tell you right now, their defense not as good as they're playing. Uh, Probably not. And it's gonna it's gonna come back to bite them. Right now, everyone thinks Diggs is the fucking greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, guess what? Last time we won one on one with Terry, Terry toasted. Uh, Terry, I'll do take, that. I'll take that match. I'll take that matchup any day of the week. All right, man, go do the dinner thing. Uh, thank you for everyone who's made it so far. Um, we'll definitely post some pieces of this on YouTube as we are apt to do, except for last week when we couldn't get together to, to record after the Bills game. Not that there was anything to talk about. Um, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever our podcast is actually available. Um, until then, we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.